Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was on my heart. I, th I thought, I wish we could all just come together and, you know, sit together. And then I thought, when you said that, it's like, okay, so I was right on. So I'm going to say that other thing that I was thinking about. I've been studying this book on healing. And, and the teacher wrote that the majority of healings come one step at a time. And those healings really build our faith because every step that we take, we get just a little bit stronger. Now, we have people like Brother Allen who is miraculously saved and delivered instantly. That doesn't happen for me. It just doesn't. I have to walk everything out. I used to carry an EpiPen. Allergies were so bad and getting worse, getting worse. And then my mother, Pastor Pinson, says, anybody with allergies, get up here. My brother Donnie and I were sitting there. I ran to the front because they had become, they were getting debilitating, you know. And she prayed for me, and I felt it when it left. Well, of course, the next day I get up, my whole face is swollen. You could barely breathe. I said, I looked in the mirror, and I said, devil, my healing, you ain't going to be stealing in the name of Jesus. So every time, every time my throat closes up and I can barely swallow, devil, my healing, you are not stealing in the name of Jesus. Pastor gave me a word this morning. As my soul prospers, my body will prosper. That means, and that spoke to me because I've been studying, I've been trying to get closer to God, my soul prospering, my soul prosper. Benny, every little step is a milestone. Everyone, Barbara, every little step. Grab a hold of the little things, the little things, and let God, yes, Edie, let God take those little things with our faith and let it grow our faith. Okay, I did that. I got through that one. All right, well, here's the next one. And I don't know that they ever stop, but I don't carry an EpiPen. I can get in the dust and not be completely covered in hives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The steps matter. The steps matter. And that is a principle. Sometimes God does things miraculously. I'm talking about you're instantly, a situation is instantly solved. I've had that happen, you know, dealing with debt and stuff. Had God instantly paid off a credit card. I didn't learn anything from that. <laughs> Just saying, I didn't learn anything from that. until he dealt with some issues. So that's, that's the walking out. Well, this, this Tuesday, we're calling a three-day fast starting Tuesday, the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, it's for expansion. 
It's for expansion. It's for the church to grow. It's for us to have outreach. It's for us to... Because the word that God gave me for freedom ministries at the first of the year is that freedom ministries is a wellspring of living water. And he said, and I heard him say, they will come from near and far. I heard it. That's what he spoke to me. But it doesn't happen automatically. We have a part to play in expansion. So we're going to be praying for Apostle to go forth, Freedom Ministries to go forth and expand. And Tuesday at noon, you know, that's a breakthrough day for our people. We're going to start at 9, but that will be at noon. But uh, it'll start, I guess, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 for those that want to come. It'll be a come and go. And when we say fast, we're not, I'm not telling everybody that you can only come and you're going to drink water for three days. No, that's between you and God. Sometimes God doesn't even require you to fast food. Sometimes he requires you to fast something else. Something else that's got a hold of you. TV, the computer. We don't we haven't settled that one yet. We're still praying about that part. But we will post all the information on the prayer page. You know, God required me one time, I could eat anything except chocolate. I'm just saying. That's what he, he says, don't eat, I want you to fast this. So don't, don't put a limit on God and think that, well, just because it's a fast that I can't, I'm going to have to do without everything. No, let God tell you what to do. <laughs> he'll, he'll pick what's got a hold of you. Hallelujah. It may be your, did I hear somebody say time? Okay, I thought I did. It may be your time. He may require you to give up some of your time, which, yeah, a fast will cause you to give up some of your time. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'm just going to tell, tell on myself. Sometimes we have selective hearing. He, uh, he didn't tell me to call a three-day fast. He told my wife. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, it, would, it would be one of those things he would have to speak really loud and clear to me. I have fasted. Do it pretty often. But to call a three-day fast, it's going to speak really loud. Because it's not what I want to hear. But when she said it, I knew it was right. Hallelujah. Give you praise. And I was excited about it. I'm like, really? <laughs> 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 but you know God wants to meet with us and he has a purpose it's not something we just decided he, we saw it in prayer so he has a purpose that means there's going to be things accomplished <laughs> there's going to be fruit come yes. from it Amen. hallelujah Amen. hallelujah see the Bible doesn't tell us that we can fast if we want to. It says when you fast. So there is going to be times that require fasting. Hallelujah. I got a word I got for us today. The name of it 
Just case, Sarah, Sarah. We went out with uh, Minister Andy and Minister Rhonda asked us to go eat with them last Sunday. We were just talking about different things. And that, that came up. Case, Sarah, Sarah. And if you don't know what it means, it's actually a song. It means what will be, will be. And, you know, that's the attitude of a whole lot of people. That's the attitude of not just a lot of people. That's the attitude of the church. But I don't find that in my Bible. What will be, will be. No. That's not in there. When we adapt that attitude, that philosophy, then everything that happens, we can blame it on God. We can blame everything on God. No responsibility on me. If it be God's will. That's exactly right, Andy. Minister Andy. You see that a lot. If it be God's will. The Bible tells us we can know God's will. So when we know his will, then that's what we go after. See, that is a passive mentality. What will be, will be. That's passive. God did not call us to be a passive people. Do what? <laughs> God did not call us to be a passive people. The word passive actually means accepting or allowing what happens without active response or resistance. In other words, it's, it's just going to happen. That must be in God's plan for my life. No, that's not the way it works. See, God called us to be on fire. We taught on the fire last week. Fire is not passive. Fire in the natural is not passive. You set something on fire, you watch it. It's not passive. It's going to consume. It's going to take over. See, the fire of God is the same way. The fire of God, if it's in you, it's not going to be passive. The fire of God, when it's in you, it's going to start consuming everything in its path that is not of God. It's going to take over. It's going to burn out everything. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that we are a new creature. The old has passed away. The old has passed away. The old dead stuff. The old dead stuff burns really good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when the children of Israel had, had to go into the promised land, it was a promised land. God said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. God said it was theirs. But when they crossed over the river, there was enemies. You know, this is the land God give me. But there's enemies in it. They could not be passive. They had to go in and drive the enemies out. And the same is true with us. We have to drive the enemies out. We have to drive the enemies out of our land. Hallelujah. See, when, when Edith come down and I prayed for her, what I see is God's fixing to carry her. I told her, so I'm going to tell y'all. It's good. She's already praising God. But there's, 
there's a heaviness that comes this time of year. It tries to sit on people. It, 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 you get sick, heaviness comes. Whatever, cold, heaviness comes. Your days are short. You don't have as much sunshine. Heaviness comes. But she's been pr- pressing into God in praise, and that was her word was for God, for her to just keep pressing in. God's fixing to teach her how to really press in. And when she does, that heaviness can't stay. That's driving the enemy out. That's, that's, that's how you drive the enemy out right there. The scripture, God, I shared it this morning, and I, I don't know why God said it. It's in Psalms 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will. I choose to. I choose to press past whatever the enemy is trying to put on me. Yeah, there it is. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I make the choice. I choose to press past you know, last year when it had all that snow, I loved it. I don't know, most people sat in their house, maybe. Not me. I, I got out bird feeders, and I'd have to fill them up two, two and three times a day. I actually got out there when it was sleeting and rain and snowing. I put on all my thick, heavy stuff, my toboggan and everything, I got out there and sat out there on a bench up on a little hill in our backyard. Just sat there. Loved it. And I don't like cold weather. Explain that. But I thought, my word, this is a beautiful day. I'm sitting out there, and it's, yeah, it's cold. But I was bundled up. I didn't let that stop me. We actually turned a couple of our chairs to the window, move stuff out of the windowsill, sit there and prop her feet up. It was a choice. We could have sat there and says, it's so cold, I can't do nothing. I can't get outside. Poor me. Poor me. I got a two, we got a two-wheel drive Jeep, that blue one. We got out and drove around in the stuff. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. See, when God gives us a promise, we have to drive the squatters out. A squatter is something that has come and set up camp that don't have any legal right there. Y'all get that? Don't have any legal right. When Jesus bought us with his blood, the squatters have no more right. Fear has no more right. Doubt has no more right in me. They're all squatters. Unbelief has no more right. Not walking in health has no more right. The squatters have to be driven out. A squatter, they'll stay there as long as you let them, even in the natural. They will live off of your property, eat out of your vegetable garden. <laughs> drink your water so if they'll do it in the natural they'll do it in the spirit just because you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean every demon oh he's saved and filled with the Holy Ghost we got to go Uh, uh-uh. no they actually dig their heels in and we drive them out but being passive won't drive them out 
I've never, I've never had a demon come out by me saying, I sure wish you would leave. I, I, I wish, you know, I'm tired of you. I don't like dealing with you anymore. I, I wish you would just go on. He just smiles at you and don't go anywhere. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to drive him out. Numbers 33, 55, verse 55. Let's look at that. Numbers 33. I may find it before I do. It from up there. 33, 55. says, but if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land where you dwell. If we don't drive them out, they're going to torment us. They're going to use us, confuse us. Exactly. See, if there's confusion, you've got a problem because God is not the author of confusion. Something is vexing you. It says that there will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side. Hallelujah. Let's go to Judges chapter 3, verse 2. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 3. Verse 2. Thanks what it is. Let's look at starting verse 1. It says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. God allows things to come against us. Does he put things on us? No. But he will allow things to come up against you to teach you to war, to teach you about him, to teach you that he is the one that has the authority, to teach you that he is the one that's in control. Hallelujah. Now, we want a, we want a case of raw, raw life where everything is fine, everything just flows. We want a Hallmark movie life. And they're not real. They're not real. I, they're fun to watch, but they're not real. <laughs> we have to separate that from reality. Hallelujah. Because that is their mentality on a lot of those shows. They say it. If it's meant to be, it'll be. If it's not what God said, it wasn't meant to be. What he said is what's meant to be. Hallelujah. Let's look at Luke 4.18. What I want us to get this morning, it's God did not call us to be a passive people. It doesn't mean we go out here and start fights with our neighbors because we don't because their dog barks. That's not what it's talking about. Hallelujah. Luke 4.18. We know this scripture. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to take over my surroundings. Think of it that way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to take over. What am I taking over? Everything mentioned here is an attribute of the devil. Poor, brokenhearted, captive, blind, and bruised. That's, that's, that's fruit of the devil. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to take over that. And you'll never take it over being passive. Hallelujah. You know, before David ever got to Goliath, the Bible says that he, he killed a lion and a bear. I imagine he did more than, th than those two. That's just the two that he mentioned. Because he was a shepherd. He dealt with wolves. He dealt with probably bobcats. He dealt with all kinds of stuff coming after his sheep. But because he was willing to deal with that, then when he got to Goliath, he was not passive. He was not passive toward Goliath. He was aggressive toward Goliath. He run. If I'm not mistaken, it says he run toward Goliath. I mean, from, from what I understand from theologians, David was not a big man. David was a small man. He was smaller than I am. Goliath, what, eight foot something tall. He was not passive. He run toward Goliath. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know, the, you don't go through, you don't have an anointing without going through the fire. You don't have an anointing without something being tried in the fire, without something in your life being burnt out. That's what this, that's, you want to lay hands on the sick? Then you're going to go through something. I'm not saying you're going to be sick, but you're going to be challenged. You're going to have to lay hands on somebody. You're going to have to press past fear and be willing to lay hands on somebody. Even this morning, it's like, you know, after I prayed for some people, a couple of people said they felt, their, they felt heat. Guess what I felt? Absolutely nothing. I still ain't hadn't felt nothing. But I know what God said. I knew what God said do. So whether I feel anything or not is irrelevant. I have to press past that and say, well, God, why didn't I? Because I've had people, you know, pray for people, and they say, i got fire in my hands. And they do. They lay their hands on you, and their hands are just plumb hot. My hands are probably kind of cold. But it don't matter. What did God say? What did God say? That's what I do. If I wait till my hands are warm, y'all in trouble. Just saying. Hallelujah. Daniel 11, 32b says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Exploits. Supernatural manifestations 
will happen at their hands. Supernatural manifestations will take place. <coughs> the people that do know their God. So instead of what will be, will be, it should be what will be is what God says will be. God says it, then I'm fixing to do my best to enforce it. Hallelujah. You know, God's called us to be, some of you may not think you can prophesy. I'm going to share, look, give you a little insight. You know, there is an office of a prophet that Prophet Allen fulfills, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, Evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's five called the fivefold ministry. But you, did you know every single person can prophesy? Let me give you a brief definition of prophesy. It's speaking basically. It's speaking what God speaks. God speaks something to you. You speak it forth. You prophesied what God said. And we can all do that. You know why we can do that? Because we have Jesus living inside of us. When the enemy tells you you can't say that, oh, oh yes, I can. Watch. Because Jesus, you don't hear this very often. You hear Jesus talk about a, a lot of different things, but you very seldom hear him talk, being taught, as a prophet I don't know that I've ever heard anybody besides myself teach on Jesus being a prophet but he was a prophet it actually says so in Matthew 6 now Matthew 21 let's go to Matthew 21 verse 11 I want you to know that you can prophesy. Matthew 21. I went to chapter 11. Let me go there. I'll get there. Matthew 21, verse 11. It says, And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. The people called Jesus a prophet. Let's look at Mark 6, 4. Mark chapter 6, verse 4. I was actually looking this up to find my scriptures because I knew that it said that, he was a pro that Jesus was a prophet. Mark 6, verse 4. And I first thing that popped up whenever I was doing the search and I don't know who they were but the first thing that said was Jesus is not a prophet and I, thought, and I didn't even go to their website it's like no you, you are messed up you are messed up that's not what the word says Mark chapter 4 no chapter 6 verse 4 says, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Jesus called himself a prophet right there, because he was talking about himself. This is the story where he went in, into this area, and the people knew his mama, knew his daddy, knew his brothers, knew his sisters, and that's what they brought up. How can you do the works of God? How can you be the son of God? How can you heal? Even though he was healing people, how can you do all of this when we know, who we know your lineage? We know your mama. We know your daddy. And then that's what he said about himself. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. 
He called his own self a prophet. Hallelujah. I'm not going to go there, but Moses actually called him a prophet too in the Old Testament. Moses said, there's a prophet coming. And he was talking about Jesus. Psalms 144. One forty four, verse one. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. That's not passive. That's not passive. I've told the story again, and I'll tell it, but I'm going to tell it again. I taught on finances. I taught on tithing. I taught on giving for several years. I knew what the Word said. I knew it. The Word said it. Was it real in my life? And it says when you tithe, the, God's going to open the windows of heaven. He also says when you give in Luke 6, 38, I think it is, that when you give, men's going to give back and pour into you. That's the word. I taught it for years. It was not a reality in my life. I could have given up any time along that way, but it's like, no, this is what the word says. That's what the word says. So I just keep pressing it and pressing it and doing it and pressing it and giving and tithing and giving and tithing. Sometimes it takes, it doesn't happen instantly. It takes, it's like how far are you willing to press this? I pressed it for several years. And then God showed me a judgment that was keeping it from operating. We drove that squatter out because he had no right to be there, but yet he was hid. Squatters hide. He was hid. We drove that squatter out, and then the scriptures began to be a reality. I could have been passive the first time or two I taught it, or teach it for six months and nothing happened in your own life. You could have very well just well, I'm not teaching that no more. It ain't real. It's not real. Passive will make you stop. Passive will make you stop short of what the Word says. When God gives you a Word, when God speaks a Word to you, what He actually done is heaven actually released a word into the natural realm. And God's word is true. You know, there's a difference between the truth and the facts. The fact was, I was tithing every paycheck. That was the fact. But I wasn't seeing Malachi 3, 10 come to life. That's the fact. But the truth was that it is, that Malachi 3, 10 is real. That is the truth. That is the real truth. So the facts and the truth don't always line up. When God told Moses, when they come up to the Red Sea, the truth was that, the, that if you walk off into the Red Sea, you're fixing to drown. That's the truth. I mean, that's the fact. <laughs> I'll get it straight. That's the fact. You got a million plus people, and God told Moses to tell them to march forward. 
the sea hadn't parted yet. They had to march first. And when they did, the sea parted. Hallelujah. But this says in Psalms 144, 1, this teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Acts 10, 38. says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus didn't walk up to the blind man and say well what will be will be. If it's God's will for your eyes to be open they'll be open. He did not do that. He walked up and took authority. He walked up in the anointing. He walked up in the fire. He enforced change. Hallelujah. You see, God doesn't set his people on fire just so that we can feel his presence. I've seen that. And, I'm, and I wonder a lot of times, well, what good is this? You know, people get prayed for and they and there's nothing wrong with getting prayed for and getting the fire. But there's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be some fruit come out of it. There's got to be something more than just me falling on the floor. There's got to, when you get up, there's got to be some change. When the fire of God comes on you, there's got to be some change. See, the fire of God will consume all doubt. It consumes all unbelief. It will consume all excuses. It will consume all unfaithfulness. And unfaithfulness hides behind excuses. The fire of God will consume all vain imaginations. The devil will tell you that we have it all together. Everything in my life is perfect. I have all of my ducks in a row. I don't have ducks. But that's what the enemy tells people. Because you're up there as a pastor that, that everything in your life flows smoothly. No, it don't. No. I'm going to tell on us. Is that okay? <laughs> We've been married for 41 years. We have had more confrontations with each other since we've become pastors than we did in the 40 years before. I'm just saying. Because things begin to surface. You know, you got some new responsibility. And things begin to, I'm just saying. But the fire of God comes and burns all that stuff up. And I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, most of those, I'm talking about like 90-something percent of our confrontations was my fault. I'll, I'll tell you that up front. I do. <laughs> but those confrontations had to come because things had to be dealt with that didn't have to be dealt with down here on, on this level. But when you moved up, when we became pastors, some things had to be dealt with. I can tell you one of them, still working through it. I worked out there at the mill for over 40 years, running a piece of equipment. When my relief come in, I was gone. I did not have to worry about anything. I didn't worry about anything going on out at the mill. I didn't think about the mill till my clock went off the next day to get up to go back to work. 
I came in as a pastor with that same mentality. I'm just saying, that's, that's what I had to deal with, see? I had to confront that, because that, 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 that was being passive on my part. Being a pastor is not an eight-hour-a-day job. It's a 24-7. And, that's, and I was not used to that. It's like I could walk out of that meal, and if it caught on fire, I'm still going to my vehicle. That, that was my mentality. But I worked with people, though, that couldn't do that. They actually would dream about their, they'd come to work, tell it, dream about their machine, dream about, about having problems, dream about fixing this. It's like when I left that meal, everything to do with that meal was left in the parking lot until the next day. And I brought that in. That was my 40-something years worth of, mentality you know they would call me we need you to come out if you don't come out we're going to have to shut something down I'm like uh, you might as well shut it down I ain't coming this is my day off you know they may not have said that but, it, but it's like that's the mentality we, we need you it's like no you don't if I was to die You'd kick me to the side and keep on going. I knew that. So that didn't have a pull on me. But I brought that same mentality into the being a pastor. And that had to be dealt with. Because it's like if on Sunday morning I get through preaching, you better not call me. <laughs> that, that, that was the mentality, I'm just saying. I mean, we do have off days, but I mean, that, that was the mentality because that's what, that's what I did for 40-something years. That's how, how I thought. That is no more my responsibility. But I, had, but I couldn't be passive. Can't be passive and be a pastor. I had to let God consume that. I had to let the fire of God burn that mentality out. And I can't say that it's 100% burnt out, but it's a whole lot of it's burnt out. I'll say that. <laughs> Hallelujah. The fire of God will consume complacency. Complacency, it's I'm content with where I am. I'm happy. Complacency. Complacency means you're content with where you are. The fire of God will burn complacency out. It will burn it out. Because complacency will keep you where you are. You may be in a good place. You may be in a place where all your bills are paid. And, all, and your family's saved. That's a good place. But God has more. God has more. Your neighbor may not be saved. God has more. God will burn complacency out. See, the fire of God will consume. It transforms, it purifies, and it makes things pliable. Let the fire of God get in your heart, and your heart begins to change. That's, that's, that's what happened with me, I guess. That's what's happening with that mentality that I had. The fire of God has to come in and burn that out. Because a shepherd watches over the sheep 24-7. So what will be, will be. 
will get burnt up in the fire of God if we'll put it on the altar. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Is now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They had the fire of God on them. The, bold, the boldness comes from the fire. So if we don't have any boldness, Maybe we need a little more fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews chapter. Well, let's go to Psalms 104, verse 4. I want to show you this is in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Psalms 104, verse 4. One oh four verse four. This says, we're starting verse one. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covers thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind who makes his angel spirits, his ministers, a flaming fire. His ministers. It says that God makes his ministers a flaming fire. To minister. You look that up, it means those who serve him. It says, and a flaming fire is burning hot. That's the definition of that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. When we get through today, we're going to know that God does not want us to be a passive people. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. Same thing. It says, And the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. His ministers. See, this is, when you look up ministers in that verse right there, it means servants. It also means a worshiper of God. And it says that he will make you a flame of fire. It means lightning. I looked up lightning. 50,000 degrees. It's hotter than the surface of the sun. God will make his worshipers hot. That's why it's important for Edith. She's fixing to press into God. I just see it into a ram that you've never pressed into. And when you do, the fire of God is just increase. I see you laying hands on people when you go into houses. I see you, I see you praying for people. I see change. I see atmospheres changing. It's like I see when you walk into some houses that are they're dark and dreary. But the light, when you walk in, the light walks in. I, I just see it like a, like a glow around you when you walk in. The darkness just... just 
has to retreat. And it happens, and it's going to happen because of your worship. Because this scripture right here says, let me read it, make sure I get it right. It says, and of the angels he saith, who maketh his angel spirits and his ministers, those who worship him, a flame of fire, hot like lightning. That's why the devil fights worship so much. Our worship is directly related to the fire that's in us. Did y'all catch that? Our worship is directly related to the fire that's in you. If you don't worship, a person that doesn't worship, they have no fire. And you can't have fire without worship. That's why worship up here has been fought from day one. I'm just saying. But we were not a passive people. We never quit. We never stopped. Never quit. But your worship is directly related to the fire that you walk in. The fire of God is related to your worship. I can speak for my own self. As a teacher, I can sit and read and study. Read and study. I can read some more and study some more. I've had to learn to worship. I've had to learn to shut myself in. And whenever I began to do that, then what I began to, what I read and study begins to come alive. You can't have one without the other. You have a word. Come on. But the fire of God is directly related to your worship. Well, there are no coincidences, right? Rhonda and I were talking about being content on the way to church this morning. And I'm one that is usually content with what I'm given. And uh, as uh, Pastor Robert was preaching, I was sitting over there and I was thinking about that. And then, uh, then my toes got crunched. Because what I heard was content will breed contempt. If you're content, then when you start seeing other people progressing and moving forward and things are happening to them, you'll start to get that, well, why ain't that happened to me? What makes them so special? And blah, 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 blah. And then, you're, then when contempt comes, then resentment comes. It might be to that person or it might even be to God. Uh, you're you're doing favors, God. You're doing you're picking out favorites when your word says that you don't favor no man, but it looks like you do. No. He's just blessing those that are going after him. Hallelujah. If you know that you're passive. Because God told me here a while back, he said, I have to aggressively pursue him for life, for life. 
and he broke it down. You aggressively pursue me the rest of your life to have my life. I can't halfway pursue him. I have to aggressively pursue him to have his life. That's not passive. If you, if you, my tashiki. <coughs> And he said um, that he's not an enabler. <laughs> Hallelujah. So many of us, I was enabled all my life. And so I have to learn how to go after the things of God because somebody has always done it for me. So that may be to you this morning. Um, God is not an enabler. Hallelujah. He, he doesn't enable us. He wants us to learn how to walk in authority according to his word and in relationship with him. So he will not enable us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the Bible tells us that we are sons and daughters. We are kings and priests. We went to a, a her talking, testifying there, reminded me. We went to a Dr. Mara Cirillo conference years ago. And we were already, can't remember, we were in the elevator or we got in the elevator. I don't remember. But there was this mighty man of God, a prophet from over in Africa, Io, Pastor Io. I mean, talking about this man of God, the fire of God just, he, he, he walks into the room and sets it on fire. I'm just saying. Anyway, we were in the elevator, I think. We were standing there, you know, and the door's open, and he and his wife come in. We're standing there, you know, just kind of looking down, and we see his native robe, turquoise. It was, I mean, it was robe, the pants, and the jacket, and his wife was dressed to match him. And it's like you could feel the presence of God in there so strong. And he was such a nice, gentle man in the natural but you know good and well he wasn't that way in the spirit but you could feel the presence of God on him so strong it's like you d you didn't even dare raise up and look at him because the fire was on him to that degree it's like mm. it's like he spoke to us and it's like how you doing and drop your head and I know he was a man in the natural, but he was a, and he was a real ambassador of heaven. He, yes, he is. So if complacency or passiveness operates in you, if you think in that realm, let's break that today. Because God is not passive. He is not passive. What will be will be what he says. What God says is what will be. That's what we got to get to. That what God says is what will be. And if it hasn't come to pass, he told me, he says, if what I've told you, if, if what you see is not what I said, I'm not done. We've got to grab that. If what God said is not what we see, he is not done. There's more. <laughs> we break off passive in the name of Jesus. We break it. Passive will make you settle. Passive will make you settle. It'll make you settle. But the, the key is to worship him. The key is to worship him. That's the key right there. The key to the fire is to worship God. The more intense your worship, the more intense the fire.
the more intense the worship, the more intense the fire. The more intense the worship, the more intense the fire. And the fire will burn out all of that stuff, all that way of thinking, everything that's that's called vain imaginations, which is just not think not thinking the way God thinks. It'll burn out all of that the more you worship him. Because worship does not is not based on me. It's not based on my circumstance. It's not based on anything except that Jesus. It's just based on him. It's based on who he is. It's based on God Almighty, that he is worthy. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.